from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. Carrie Flanagan, I'm an actor. Jennifer Kerfman, I'm an actor. Josh Bywater, I'm an actor. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a writer and director. Uh, this is the first episode of the fourth season of the Cry Havoc podcast. And today we're talking about a topic that we actually have touched upon indirectly in earlier seasons, which is the concept of a safe room. Uh, a safe room is a term that... Uh, most people in the theater know what you mean when you say it, but it actually is something that the definition of it is a little bit elusive. Most actors and directors, when you say a safe room, will know uh, that it has to do with a place uh, that is supportive of an actor to do their work in a specific way. Uh, and today what we're going to endeavor to do is to see if we can't define exactly what a safe room is, uh, to talk about the characteristics of a safe room, and to talk about what the people in the room can do to make it safe for an actor to work. So to start off, let me ask uh, you guys, most of you are actors, uh, actually all of you are actors, that when you say a safe room, what does a safe room make you feel safe to do? For me, a safe room makes me feel safe to take, ch uh, take chances in my choices. I feel it's very, I will close down pretty quickly if I get a sense that if I don't deliver exactly the thing that people have preconceived the first go, then I kind of shut down on myself and I feel very unsafe to make any decision after that. It makes you feel safe to fail, to try something even if you don't think it's right or know that it's right, just to, to take, like, like you said, to take the chance without thinking that there's a room full of people that are about to judge the heck out of you. And I feel like I have lots of ideas when I come into rehearsal, and if I feel like somebody is going to shut them down, I don't want to share them mm -hmm. and bring them to the table. So being in a safe communication with, with the other people in the room really allows me to expand my imagination. I think the only way that you can really help an actor to succeed is to make them feel like they are in a place where it is safe to fail. Because that's where, as we've discussed in many earlier episodes, you know, the, the best ideas and the most interesting ideas come from are the places where people are taking a risk. And I think one of the places where um, having a safe room comes up often, and I think people can understand, are situations that involve sort of dangerous ideas, that involve nudity and sexuality, is something that we've talked about in the past. And certainly to have a room where someone feels comfortable putting themselves on the line to do that is something that I, I think probably everyone can understand why that would be important. But I think it's something that what you want as a director or a playwright from an actor and what actors want from themselves is the ability to lay themselves bare always, even if it is not physically, literally naked bare. And I think that that idea of providing an environment where people can really put themselves on the line, where people can show unexpected things about themselves, potentially unattractive things about themselves, but really interesting things about themselves, um, 
you know, is something that, that I think anybody working on a show would want to encourage, including and especially the actor. I think that there's something about what you just said about the nudity and sexuality. It makes me think safety in a rehearsal setting is physical safety as well as emotional safety and intellectual safety and, and wanting to feel like I have the ability to ask a question or interrupt a rehearsal or raise my hand and say, hold on, this fight scene or this, this sexual relationship that we're working on or, or whatever it is that I can that I can have some boundaries about that and speak up about that. What other characteristics would you guys say uh, measures a safe room and identifies a room that's safe to work in? Well, I think for me, an open line of communication with everybody involved, and it's been said already tonight, um, with the director, with the actors, is one of the most important things, whether it's communication about how the day was, whether it's communication about where, well, to further that, where everybody is in their day, the energy that they bring in, their experiences throughout the day, is really important to moving through the rehearsal process, um, especially when there's a rehearsal that is going to revolve around something of um, that may be tricky emotionally or sexually or intellectually. Um, I think. Yes, communication is definitely key to, to a safe room. And to piggyback off of that, the communication of what's going to be happening that day and who's going to be there, if people are going to be coming in late to give the actors a heads up that people might be coming in halfway through the rehearsal or to make sure that people are coming at a, you know, at a, a reasonable break, breaking point, just so everyone is aware of what's going to be happening in the room that day really setting and articulating what the expectations are. Yes. Setting up the boundaries and the, the rules of the rehearsal so that you know if you're talking about nudity, you know which, you know, what is the expectation of when this is going to happen in rehearsal. Or if you're talking about um, coming into an early rehearsal and having permission from the director that just because the stage directions say she cries, that you don't necessarily have to meet that mark, that you really are there to work and get to the point of you know, meeting the expectations of the scene and knowing what the expectations of the rehearsal room are. Mm -hmm. I also think, <clears throat> excuse me, a big thing is that early on you need to express, you need to be clear as an actor, I think, of your, what your limits are, what your boundaries are, and they may change. but. If you're very clear on that and you've made communicated that 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 cannot people can't go back on that. I I did a show once where I was I I don't do nudity on stage never have. Um, maybe I will I don't know, but I expressed that very clearly, and halfway through the rehearsal process they tried to get me to do it, and I just I, that's extremely unsafe. I, it's the definition of unsafe. <laughs> And I think to piggy off of what Jenny was saying earlier about knowing who is going to to be in the rehearsal room that day is really, or for those people who are coming in late or who will be, if it's a sound designer or lighting designer, somebody with, involved with the production who may be coming in and out of the, rehe the rehearsal space, nobody ever really knows where the individual actors are in their process. So if there's something that they are trying to explore in a given rehearsal, and you have people coming and going in and out of the space, even if it's, even if you're working on, even if the act, even if I as an actor am working on something that may not be 
dangerous in, in, in some certain way, but just if there's a moment that I'm not getting, that I'm not connecting with in a given scene, and there are people walking in and out of the space, that's very distracting. And I think having that time to be able to concentrate on what you're working on is really important. So uh, it can be extremely helpful for everyone to be in the know of the schedule. I, I recently did a show where that very thing was happening and I was having some, a lot of, a lot of trouble with a lot of moments in, in the show and just trying to figure it out. And, and there, I can't tell you how much foot traffic there was or someone like banging on something. And it's like, would you guys stop please? And it makes it, it's just really disruptive. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a degree to which, you know, you want in order for actors to be able to provide as much variety as possible in a rehearsal, which is what you as an actor and you as someone working with an actor want. You need for them to be the variable in the equation, which means you need to create as controlled an environment for them to work in as possible. And I think that that's something that you know, directors and stage managers and producers and anyone else who's in the room can really help, you know, help doing, which is really to give the actor the sense that they don't need to worry about anything other than what they're doing, that everything else is in hand. And part of that is that idea of, um, yeah, of, of being sure that people know that there's a structure to the process, that they know what they're going to come to rehearsal to do that day. They know what they're going to be doing after the next break. Um, that if there's going to be someone there who is not normally there. Um, I mean, I actually think a lot of times people think, well, to keep it safe, you need to keep it closed, which is not necessarily the case. Uh, some things you certainly might want to limit the number of people who are there. Um, but I think actors are really helped by knowing who is there and why they are there. This person is the sound designer. They want to see this scene because they need to design the effects that are going to go into the end of it. There are very many ways, so long as an actor understands this is why this person is here, it makes sense that they are there, and hopefully the person who is there are respectful of the fact that they are there to observe the process um, and are not there sending emails off in the corner or whatever else. If it's something that they, uh, uh, you know, that they're there for their reason and are doing that. Um, you know, that that can go a long way towards creating safety for an actor. Again, that idea that there's a structure and that is a controlled environment in which they can be, quote unquote, out of control. And something that I like to have um, along with that is the structure to what the process is going to be. Because I know as an actor, you go into many different rehearsal processes with different directors, different companies. And I know, I always want to know, when do you want me to be off book? When are we going to be blocking? When do I need to make sure I have my pencil? I mean, you know, I should always have my pencil, but that kind of thing of like, do I need to be off book already? Do I, because it's something that actors worry about. And if I'm worrying about that, I'm not free to, to explore or to, to take chances. Or And I think by the same token, it can be very helpful to give the actors some input into what that's going to be. Uh, it can create a real sense of safety for actors if you're able to say, you know, looking at what's going on, you know, again, it depends what you want, but we could either plan to be off book for Friday next week, so we'd get a full off book run in before the weekend, 
Or if you guys would rather not worry about that and have the weekend to memorize your lines, you can be off book on Monday. Which is better for mm -hmm. you guys? One, you know, something that's helpful there is you're giving a choice. It's not when do you guys want to be off book because that just gets into some level of madness. But there's a lot of ways in which actors, you know, will have a sense of control over the situation if they do, in fact, have some level of control over the way that the process is going to unroll. And that can work, I mean, both in, in, in that sort of macro way, but also, um, you know, it can be very helpful when you say, okay, we finished this, there's this thing that I want to do before the end of the day, but after the break, if there's something that you guys would like to work on, let me know before the break and we can plan to do that when we come back. It can be very empowering for an actor to have a sense not only of autonomy, which I think is an important thing to give an actor, you know, that we are telling you what the parameters of rehearsal are so that you can have the autonomy to act however you need to within those parameters, which I think is very important, but also to some degree giving them input into what those parameters are going to be. And with what you said about having people in the room, because there are definitely times where dis different designers will step into a rehearsal to kind of check how things are going or, you know, to see, to see what the play is shaping up to be or the playwright will stop into a rehearsal if it's a new play, um, where it's great for the director or whoever to not only set the expectation for the actors for that day's rehearsal, but if someone is in the room, for the director not to go into a, a, you know, a big lengthy thing, but to just set the stage of we're exploring, or we're doing something so that the costume designer isn't, or the actor isn't thinking, oh, the costume designer is thinking this is an actual run right now where I'm just trying something out, so that it's set up for the people who are watching as well. And I think in terms of what you were talking about, Kit, about autonomy for the actors, I feel like one of the things that makes a room feel safe for me is knowing that the director in particular recognizes that I might have a different way of working than other actors and so doesn't try to change my approach or my way of working. We all figure out how to work together, so then I, f I feel like I have that some some degree of control a little bit to say I know how to do this thing I know how to make big brave choices in in this in this particular technical way for myself as long as I feel like somebody respects what that technical way of working is have you guys worked on any particular shows that either had a particularly safe environment or particularly unsafe environment or from another side have you ever worked on shows that you think particularly demanded a safe environment to work on them effectively and how did those processes go well my introduction to this company was with you kit um and and jenny was in the room as well for good enough and when i came into the audition i mean the subject matter was as such that i wanted to i mean i didn't know you guys from adam so you know i wanted to like really know who who I was coming into audition for, you know, and I didn't know. So I, I, I made it very clear, I think, or clear enough to, to you, Kit, that my concern about is it going to be a safe room? And uh, it's one of the, I think it's, it, it's one of the questions I asked in the audition and we discussed it and I can't remember what you said back then, but I knew that I was in, that I would be in good hands if I were cast and that you were, you were going to be directing. Because I don't feel like you, I feel like 
really anybody can get up and do a show or do a movie and shoot it. And I feel like a lot of people will take liberties with actors and, and other artists and collaborators who are willing to put themselves out there and take advantage of them in, in, in ways. And you don't really know who you're meeting necessarily all the time. So it's important to talk about that up front. And um, that process was great. I think we did provide a really safe room. I actually think it's interesting from a director's point of view. I think a big part of providing a safe room is actually getting the right people into that room. I mean, it actually is something that I mean, I, I do actually recall that conversation we, we had. But I also know when, whenever I've done that particular show, which I've done more than once, there are other shows that I've worked on that have particularly sensitive material. And that less so at the initial audition, but at the callback there was not only work to be done, but we also had some real conversations with people, you know, in terms of being sure that there were actors who knew how to be respectful to other actors. And, um, you know, that actually is a really important part of, the, of creating a safe room, is creating a safe room full of people. Well, and part of the biggest, um, not the biggest thing with casting, I think we've talked about before on episodes, is picking the people that you want to spend the next four weeks with. And that goes into it. Will this person be a safe person in this room? Will this, they be an addition to the room that won't be harmful to the others in it? I, I think another thing that goes into it is the um, not taking anything for granted. The first thing I thought of was the thesis I did in school because it was very emotionally bearing, but it also got very physical. And they had... Um, a fight choreographer come in who didn't he didn't take a single thing we we went over that choreography for hours and hours and hours and they were simple relatively simple moves but they there was a real blade on the stage there was and there wasn't a second to the point where there was a show where the blade cut through the laminate and I didn't realize until she had it out was bringing it towards my neck and um I was so safe with these people and we had worked so hard and we we're such a machine at that point that I was able to communicate to her without saying anything by looking at her. And we slightly adjusted so I didn't bleed to death on stage. But um, yeah, I think that you can't take anything for granted. Even if it feels like, oh, we'll have that, go over it and over it if it's physical or, especially if it's physical. I had an experience working in an opera that I was understudying a role that was, it was a rape and murder sequence and it was naked. and. When I went in to interview for it, they were exactly looking for who are the people who are up for this adventure, really. And my questions to them were, basically ended up being questions about how safe am I going to be with the design of this show? That I needed to feel safe with the fighters on stage and the fight choreographer for sure, and the director. But more than anything, I needed to understand how in the world they were planning to stage it and feeling that in my interview with, with them before I ever was hired for the job or took the job, feeling that I knew going into that room that they had done everything they could do to make sure that I would be physically safe and emotionally safe and that I could show up and do my job and not have to worry about any of that. That actually is something that is so important, I think, for especially directors, but other people who work with actors, is that idea of being prepared and how much that can go towards making an actor feel safe. That it's, it, it sounds as though it shouldn't matter, but the research that you've done on the play 
can go such a long way towards making people feel safe because it makes it feel exactly like you were saying, Jen, as though the people who are running the show have really thought about it. And that really goes a long way towards when you're working on whatever you're working on and you're able to talk about the book that you read about this historical era or when somebody asks a, a question about how would the sequence be staged to say well we've thought about this and these are the three things that we're certain are in place and we're also going to discover exactly how it works over um, the course of rehearsal those are things again where it creates a controlled environment so much of it actually even as we're sitting here is it's making me realize is so much is about making the actor feel like the only job they need to do is their own job and not because you're telling them that they don't have to worry about it, but because you're showing them that everything else is in hand, they can do their own work, and they can work as far out on the ledge as they want to, and there's going to be people to catch them if they fall. And I know in a couple of plays that I've worked on where there's been nudity, where the director has, um, in both cases, at the beginning of the rehearsal process, really kind of set set the timeline and kind of has, has proposed a date for when the nudity will actually need to happen in rehearsal. And I know as an actor, having that date in mind, sometimes I feel safe and free to, to do it earlier, knowing that you know, there is gonna come this date where it needs to be, to be done, but also just to know that this is the date where this is gonna happen, so as an actor, you're prepared for that mm -hmm. to happen in rehearsal is something that I've appreciated in the couple of plays that I've done with that. And I also think it's it's important to say too that it is it is again so easy to talk about not easy but it, it's the most logical thing to talk about in terms of nudity and things like that where a safe room is needed but exactly those things you're talking about apply for everything. And I mean I can think of a, a I mean one example that really occurs to me which isn't nudity but but is a bit having to do with sexuality that there was a show that I worked on that I just remember there was a moment where there was a couple who was on a bed together and the um, male actor as they were having a conversation sort of reached over and just sort of like circled around her navel with his finger. And it was something that was there was a safe enough environment that was created that the actors didn't feel like they were going to, she didn't feel like she was in danger by him doing it. He felt as though he was able to do that without making her feel in danger. There was a sense enough of control of what was going on in the room that it was this really beautiful little physical manifestation of the way that couples really deal with each other that wasn't and then they hold hands or and then he kisses her, but something really surprising that really came organically out of the moment. And it wasn't the moment where he circled her belly button with his finger, but it was in the middle of a conversation. It was a lovely moment that wouldn't have come out um, if it had not, if the actors hadn't felt safe with each other and with the situation to do that. But additionally, I can think of dozens and dozens and hundreds of examples, and frankly, many of them with the actors around this table, of moments that had nothing to do with that sort of physical intimacy. But really, I mean, actually I think about it, that really is what we're talking about, is to create a safe space for people to be intimate with each other. Mm -hmm. And not just physically intimate, but the moments where someone says something and you see a look flash across somebody's face that is clearly coming from an impulse, and frankly is clearly coming from an ugly impulse. That the things that people don't want to show 
to the rest of the world, to an auditorium full of people, to a rehearsal room full of people, and yet is the thing that would happen in a moment where they're alone with a person who has offended them. Um, and it's about creating an environment where you're safe to show yourself both the good and the bad things about you. It also, when you are, I think we kind of touched on this, but when you are in a safe room, you are so free to allow these natural impulses to happen that you would otherwise intellectually say that's just a terrible idea to do. And that same show is coming to mind because there was a moment where I was supposed to pull a knife to her throat and it's complete, this is a character I love more than anything in the world and was gonna try to kill her. And something happened <laughs> when I burst out laughing one night in the midst of all of it and I, it, it just felt like such an ugly moment. I can't explain it because my intellect tried to creep in and was like, that was ridiculous, <laughs> and, and then, but I just let it go as quickly as it came because of the rehearsal process. Well, I was allowed to have these natural impulses and let them happen, and, and it came to be a moment a lot of people have talked about. They're like, even though it made them feel weird, <laughs> it made us all feel weird, but it made sense too. And it well, never would have come out if I was overthinking it or not allowed to explore that or... Well, those are almost always the most memorable moments of a show, are the ones that are surprising, yeah. are the ones that if you were sitting home and reading the play, you'd never picture it that right. way. And those are almost never something that an actor can plan at home alone, or something that a director can picture when they're sitting at home in their head, especially even if they do picture it, is it going to read the way that they imagine it playing on the actor? Those moments, those most memorable moments, are ones that come out of the interaction between actors and the free interaction between actors. And again, that can only happen if the room is safe. I would also say for in the rehearsal process for creating the safe room, the idea of check-ins, where, for example, if it's if a scene, you know, if, if two actors are rehearsing a scene, it gets really emotional or really whatever. At the end of it, just checking in with the actors and not in an overly like comforting way or overly aware way because you don't want to make them feel um, too aware of what happened or, or uh, self-conscious of what happened. But just checking in at the end of, you know, a fight, you know, rehearsal or at the end of the first day that there, you know, there is nudity or whatever, just to make sure that everyone's on the same page and that people are, you know, that people feel good. And checking in when somebody's had a particularly emotional rehearsal or when somebody seems pretty particularly frustrated about maybe not mm -hmm. meeting their own expectations, that kind of communication really makes you feel more willing to try again the next day. And I think one of the kind of ironic things, but I think a really important thing uh, for people to realize is that it is very important to be checking in with people and being sure that everyone's okay. But there is almost nothing that can make an actor feel less safe than being aware of the fact that people are trying to make them feel safe. Yes. Um, you know, that of, of, you know, somebody coming up after a run of something and saying, are you okay? As though they shouldn't be. There is almost nothing that makes people feel less safe than that. It's something that I mentioned, I think, on the nudity episode um, that we did a while ago. But it's something that I'm always very aware when we're doing a scene where someone needs to be nude, um, for instance, to say that Jenny is very often my associate director or stage manager, and just to walk by and say, is the door locked to her within earshot of the actor? 
So the actor knows the door is locked, but without having to say to the actor, it's okay, the door is locked, because nothing will make them feel mm -hmm. more in danger than being told that they are that safe. Something also um, related to that is when it's a particularly emotional scene or it's the first time that you've kind of broken through or you, you had a reaction to something that you weren't expecting or you're crying or what, whatever it is that happens and then immediately five people run up to you with tissues because you probably look ugly, you probably have, you know, snot coming out of your nose and tears running down your face and, and to, to have that uber awareness of how ugly you look in that moment or how emotionally you just were like that, that makes me so uncomfortable. It makes you feel like you did something wrong. Yeah. Because somebody's trying to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something about the professionalism of, of that situation where you are being asked to share something personal or you're allowed to share something personal if this is a safe room and feeling like the the line of professionalism is about recognizing that that's a part of your job mm -hmm. that's what you're there to do so encountering other actors and directors encountering actors after something like that happens that there's a level of professionalism that's really helpful in that which is recognizing that you're a human being and you're having an experience and this is part but, of the process exactly and i think that that's actually something that you know can be really helpful in in two ways which is one if you're working on something that you know actually is dangerous you've just you know, run a scene for the first time all the way through a fight scene up to speed, or even not the first time. If you run a fight scene up to speed, or especially, you know, sensitive physical scene or something like that. Just to be able to check in, it's like, is everyone okay? All right, good. Don't treat it like it's a big deal. Give them the opportunity to say, actually, when he grabbed my wrist, I, I'm not comfortable with that. We need to look for another way to do it. But that idea of give them the opportunity, but don't say, guys, guys, is everyone all right? Because, you know, yeah. give people the opportunity. And additionally, something that I find is a really helpful rule of thumb is, and I think it's exactly what you were talking about, Jen, is to take for granted the bravery of the actors and to not comment on it. It's what they're there for. But to, but to talk and reward and comment on the success that it has brought. It was so interesting what happened there, and I think if we keep working in that direction, it's going to help us do X, Y, and Z. That that's what you want to comment on, is the way that them doing their job in an exemplary way is improving the show you're putting together, rather than simply commenting on the fact that they did their job in an exemplary, brave way. Because they are much less likely to do so the next time, because they'll just be aware of the fact that it was above and beyond the call. Because almost anything an actor does in the room isn't above and beyond the call of duty. It's what they're there for. <laughs> and I know that I'm, I'm insecure enough that I need that. I don't need everything you just said, Kit, in the form of like praise, but really to, to, to reinforce the work that the actor is doing. I did a show last summer, and the director at one point said, everyone, if if you have not seen this scene, if anybody who's, who's backstage come out and watch it, if you get a chance to, I really think you should. It's lovely work the actors are doing. And none of us really took that as, as a pat on the back or as high praise of any kind, but it was really, it, it made us all feel like, okay, we're doing the work that we need to do and we're telling the story 
and and we're being bold enough with our choices and i think the director was really smart to to put that out there and it was it's a fine line because you know it could just seem like lavish praise but it was anything but that and that's actually something that also not to overly do it but a two-sentence email that a director drops to a actor the night after they've done especially good work just means the world and makes people feel as though their work is being appreciated. But I, I also think that it can be a very important thing for a director to do um, is not necessarily to lavish on praise. In fact, I think lavishing on praise is probably not a helpful thing to do, but to make everything the actor does into something positive. Because frankly, everything the actor does is something positive in some way, and to be the person who's pointing that out. And to be clear, that doesn't mean, I don't think, to say, oh, Josh, that was awesome at the end of every run. But to be able to identify, you know, to, to be able to actually, and sometimes it's, it's to ask the question, what did you learn that time? What did you find that time? Okay, good. All right, it was just about one line. It was a whole run, but that one line is so much clearer now. Let's be sure we don't lose that. Let's move on to the next thing. And even if the answer is, that was nothing in there worked, that, okay, that's useful. That's really useful. And it's something that a director can really help actors to do to feel safe, is to make them feel, and not to make them feel as though it's not true, but to point out the forward progress that they're making, to make them feel as though the, the room that they are in is a room where they are succeeding. Even if the thing that they succeeded in a moment ago was succeeding in realizing, I never want to do it that way again, that's something. I mean, it, re it really genuinely is something. So we've been talking primarily about the value to the actor of having a safe room. But what, are the, what is the value to the actor's collaborators to having a safe room? I feel like especially for the director, you, if you have an actor who feels safe to safe, make as many choices as possible, it just gives you all the more <laughs> material, all the more stuff to pick from to get your journey going. And I think if that actor, I'm going back to what I was saying before, if, if the actors are confident in what they're doing um, to, to a large enough degree, uh, you know, things even on a very base level will be more pleasant. I mean, I know that when I've struggled with things and I've worked with a director who I wasn't in great communication with and I was struggling and I didn't really know how to, to speak to it and the director wasn't really helping me out at all, you know. I mean, I was still pleasant and fine, but you never know what kind of, I mean, there may be those actors who kind of go off the rails and get a little bit angry or, you know, just are jerks in, in the rehearsal if they feel insecure. So I think, you know, the more that the actor feels safe, you're going to have that actor's going to be more secure for the director and the cast and the, the team. Yeah. Unsafe actors act out. I mean, it really is true. And I've actually, I have actually known, uh, I think, can think of a number of occasions where there have been actors who I've worked with often before who I know were very together actors, very responsible actors, very good actors, but where there was some force in the room that was making it unsafe, and they became, you, Jen Kerfman, are thinking right now, I can tell, of a situation like that that we have in common, but where, where someone who is normally very professional uh, really became 
very difficult to work with, but I don't think of their own volition, but because uh, there were some forces in the room that were making them feel very unsafe to do their work. Well, I think what ends up happening a lot of times if is if another actor is acting up and creating an unsafe room and then the director is doing what they have to do to deal with that because for them to engage would just make it worse. But sometimes a lot of times, I've been in a room where an actor has completely just been just absolute the worst behavior in the world and the director just had to kind of deal with it because we had a very short run uh, rehearsal time. And But what ends up happening to the other actors who are trying to be professional, or <laughs> you get very, this anger builds up and builds up and builds up that this situation is not being dealt with. Mm -hmm. And it, it just makes you completely clouded and you can't do anything right. Well, a huge part, I think, of the director's job is about creating that safe room. Although there are elements that are in the room that are out of the director's control that, you know, sometimes it, you know, but it still remains the director's primary job to keep the room a safe place to work. But it is something that I certainly find the more that you can do as a director to make the actors feel safe at the upfront and to do what you can to help other people also make them feel safe. I mean, to make that a priority among the rest of the team. The less time that you as a director have to spend dealing with the circumstances. You can be working with the actors, but it is, I mean, exactly as you alluded to, Carrie, if there's a situation where there's an actor acting out or a playwright is being difficult or a producer is being difficult or something like that, it has ripple effects. And other people start needing a lot more reassurance about what's going on and things like that. And it's just the more that you actually as a director can avoid being a source of anxiety to the actors and help other people not again, you're able to spend a lot more of your working time focused on the acting the actors are doing rather than the reassurance that you need to do of them uh, if the situation doesn't feel safe. And Kit, something I've heard you talk about a lot is um, the idea that if the actors feel safe and one of those things comes up that's out of the director's control, you as a director then can go to an actor and say, here's how it has to be, can you justify this? please make this choice. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but please do it. And you get a lot less resistance or maybe no resistance. You get an actor who says, absolutely, because they trust you in the same way that you have given them efficacy to do their job all along. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And it's an interesting cyclical relationship, which is the safer you make the actors feel, the more they trust you, the more they trust you, the safer they feel, and so on and so on and so on. But it really is something that, you know, I have been in circumstances where something went really off the rails at the end of a rehearsal, for instance. And some, you know, but sometimes it's because something went really bad. I mean, there was one time where an actor was very sick and had to be rushed off to the hospital and there was a real sense that we were very close to opening and the lead actor might not be able to be in the show, which could be a source of huge anxiety for the actors and to make them feel unsafe. And, and, and in the case where that happened, A, the ability to look the actors in the eye and say, guys, it's going to be fine, we're going to take care of it, go home, get a good night's sleep, we'll see you in the morning and we'll have a plan and to have them feel like there was going to be a plan. And in that case, I remember the plan ended up being the person was very, very ill, and the plan was we had to 
recast the role, but you know, to be able to then look at the actors and say, okay, this is what we're doing. We're moving forward and it's going to be fine. We just need everyone to focus and it's going to be terrific. And that the actors were then able to say, you know, yes, I feel all of the choices up until now have been safe. I'm being told by the person who made them safe that this new choice is going to be safe. I'm going to trust them and do the work they say I need to do to get it done. That in that case, again, that was a case of something where that was nobody had control over that situation. That wasn't an example of anyone being a bad actor. That was just an example of someone becoming very ill. Um, you know, but by having created a safe environment, it created an environment that was able to respond to that sort of a crisis. But if you've created an environment that can respond to that sort of crisis, you can imagine what else it can respond to. You know, what other, how it can respond to a great idea, for example. How it can respond to a technical glitch. You know, things like that. That's uh, what you want to create. Well, if you feel safe in the rehearsal process to make tons of choices, you inherently built in tons of plan Bs. You at least feel safe to walk out in front of an audience and know that if something goes wrong or something's completely out of your control, you got, like, you have it because you have, you've been given permission to make mm -hmm. the choices you need to make. And things go wrong. It's Broadway, it's off-Broadway, it's off-off-Broadway. No matter what it is, things are going to come up that are, that are going to be glitches. Technical glitches, actor glitches, there's going to be things that happen where it's really important to have that base set up because things do happen. It, you know, someone might not need to leave a show, but something is going to happen no matter where you are. And it's best if everyone is prepared in a good way for it. And I think one of, I mean, what that brings up, one of the single most important things that anyone can do to create a safe working environment is to be honest and straight with people. Because if you can, I mean, and, and the idea that the answer is if you don't know, if someone asks you something and you don't know the answer, you are a lot better off telling that actor, for example, I don't know how that costume change is going to work. Let me find out and I'll tell you tomorrow. Then to come up with something on the fly and have it turn out that that's not true. Because the more cachet that you're able to build up with the actors, the more honesty coins you're able to put in the bank so that the actors feel like when you look them in the eye and tell them something that it is true, that is something that's very safe. When people feel as though they can't trust the director or the producer or the designer or the other actors to do the thing that they say they're going to do, it makes them feel very unsafe to work. I mean, for example, even from the other side, if, a, if an actor is constantly late for rehearsal, if they never have the materials they're supposed to have, and then they're not memorized in the day they're supposed to be memorized, and they say, don't worry, I'll be off book on Monday, I, as a director, feel very unsure that they're going to be off book, and frankly, I'm spending the weekend thinking about what I'm going to do if I have to recast them. If there's someone who's never been late, who's always had their work, who's always prepared, but say, I had an emergency, I had to take my roommate to the hospital last night, I would have been off book, otherwise I'll be off book on Monday, I'll go home that night absolutely sure that they're going to be off book and not worried about it at all. Well, and in terms of being able for the actor to feel like he or she can trust the, the larger production staff, the designers. It pays off for the designers and the production staff in the long run because if the actors have been able to do their job in rehearsal and encounter the play the way they need to encounter the play in rehearsal, then when you get to tech, when it's the lighting designer's turn, 
you don't have a bunch of actors running around panicking, trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. And you, you really, everybody is able to do his or her own job if the actors are able to do theirs too. I think additionally, um, you know, that there are a couple of things for a director, selfishly, that makes it helpful to have a, a uh, safe room beyond the fact that just actors do better work when they feel secure. But actors who feel safe are more responsive to direction. If they feel as though they can trust the director, and including they can trust the director when he said he will bring him that DVD that he mentioned you know, that really helped him with his research for the actor to look at, and the director actually brings it to them. Uh, it, you know, those sorts of things create a sense of trust that when the director says, you know what, I know you want to stand there, but it's better when you stay sitting, they're much more likely to trust that that's something and not fight it. And, and similarly, actors who feel like they are in a safe environment are much more likely to go along with surprising ideas that come up as a result of the rehearsal process. And I mean, Carrie, you mentioned something, and I do think it's something that's not fair for you to have said explicitly you're not interested in doing nudity and then them ask you in rehearsal to do it anyway. But if there had been something that had come up in the process that made them realize that that might be interesting, if they had, I suspect, created a safer working environment for you, I suspect if they had come to you in a way that was in keeping with the safe working environment and said, this is something that I has occurred to me watching you work in that moment where you, you know, took off your sweater and, you know, and, and you had the blouse on underneath. It made me realize how interesting that moment would be if you weren't wearing it. And I know you said you aren't interested in doing it. I'm not going to, if, and I am totally going to respect that, but it is something that if you're interested in exploring, it might be something that would be worthwhile. I suspect you might have been more willing well, to explore that. I thought about it, yeah, in yeah. a way that I didn't then. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because things like that, ideas like that come up. And frankly, again, it's very easy because... Uh, you know, it's a shorthand thing to talk about nudity because that's an obvious thing. But there have been a number of circumstances, and Jenny, you've been been there for many of them, where there was a show that did not call for nudity, where people have undressed to some degree or another in rehearsal because it was something that they felt safe enough and it, that 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 felt like something that their character alone in the room with this person might do to get the thing that they want. Um, and sometimes, on a couple of occasions, those moments have ended up in the show. On a couple of occasions, we thought, wow, this would be great, but actually we're doing it in a circumstance where actually nudity is not allowed in the show. And other times have been something where it's like, well, that actually isn't exactly what we want for the moment, but do you see how using the extent to which he is attractive to you is a real attracted to you is something that's a really powerful thing for you in the scene and manifested itself in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but that's the kind of thing that again, that's an obvious thing to talk about the use of nudity. But the same way that to let someone show things about themselves that are not their body, things that are inside of them, um, you know, is something that you really want to encourage, and that, that those surprising moments that the script doesn't specifically ask for. 
but comes out of the moment. And that actually gets right into why it's very helpful for a playwright to create a safe room, is because the actors are there to elevate the work you've done. Hopefully you've written a wonderful play. If the actors and directors and designers do their job right, it will be better in production than it is on the stage. Not because they're fixing it, but because they're bringing their own work to it. And it's so important for playwrights to realize how intimidating it is to actors and directors, candidly, to have the playwright in the room. And how being in the room and not actively showing your support for the work that they are doing um, can really endanger the likelihood that you are going to get as good a production of your play as that room full of people are capable of giving you. Well, and as a playwright in the room, if it's a safe room and everyone's been a team and it's this great working environment, you can feel more free to bring in new pages or to ask questions of the director or for, for it to be more of a collaborative process to that end, especially if it's a new play where the playwright is in the rehearsal room. What sort of things do you think the actors' collaborators, including, candidly, the other actors in the room, can do to help create a safe working environment? I think a big thing is, it goes back to what a couple of us touched on at the, the top of the hour, which is communication. You know, just, just really checking in. I mean, other actors checking in with other actors, like, how did this scene feel for you? How did this work for you? Are you okay? I mean, just knowing that you were on the same page with your other actors, I think can just make a world of difference because you're, you're safe to, to explore any situation then with those other actors. And along those lines, I think what's really important too, specifically with actors, is to understand what the proper lines of communication are. For example, not giving your other actors notes <laughs> and, and knowing how to express your frustration appropriately. That, that's an ideal. But looking at the work you're doing with the other actors, making yourselves a team together, because at the end of the day, you're gonna be the ones on stage together, day in and day out. And so knowing how you can work together, checking in with each other, like you said, Carrie, not, <laughs> not directing each other, but checking in with each other, and figuring out how to be people and collaborators and colleagues. Well, and setting up for directors, setting up the lines of communication, which we've kind of touched on, where you know that you know the director sets the first day, the stage manager is there. You know, if you have any scheduling questions or if you have any, you know what I mean. That goes to the stage manager. Um, if the playwright is in the room, knowing that your you know line of communication is with the director, you know what I mean. If that's how it's set up, so you know who to be talking to and about what if there are multiple people in the room. Well, along those lines the idea of like going to the stage manager you know when you need something there are a lot of technical things that the people in the room can do and stage manager comes to mind in this one um, really honoring the breaks but I think that's not only a time management thing as much as it's also something that every collaborator in the room can do during a break recognizing that this is a time for people to not be at work 
if somebody needs to have a quiet moment to prepare for what they're doing after the break, if somebody needs to have a quiet moment to recover from what they've done before the break, or a phone call to their mom, or whatever the case may be, but that, that directors understand that that's not a time to go to an actor, and stage managers understand that that 10-minute break really needs to be a 10-minute break, and really honoring all of those kinds of rules, the not giving people notes when they're right about to walk on stage, things like that, that I feel like having that relationship in the room and knowing who you're supposed to talk to, it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. And I think a, a big part of what that can help to engender is the idea that it is our room. You know, it's not the director's room that the actors come in to do their part in. You know, and, and that that idea of, you know, respecting the breaks are a big part of that. And I think that that's something in terms of, you know, the way that you talk in the room about this is what we're doing. It's like for a director, I mean, it's actually, I think, important for a director, at least helpful director to talk about. I think what we want here is, is a big difference than what I want is. Even if candidly what you mean is I want, um, it does change the dynamic of the conversation. You know, because it is something that we are all working together. And especially if you are being respectful, and it's not just, you know, that you're not just saying that I want it this way, but I looking at the script, knowing what I want, seeing the way that you are behaving in this moment. I think what we collectively want here is this thing. And respecting the room, which sounds a little bit silly, but keeping the room clean and, you know, so it's not a dirty working environment where people are throwing, you know, their food scraps everywhere. Wrappers, I mean, not actual food, but... Do you know what I mean? Like respecting the space that you're in and this is the space that you're in to work and let that be a clean, good, comfortable space to be in. Yeah. And also, you know, respecting the parts of the room that are not the stage. Yeah. You know, that idea that it's, I think it's helpful for people to the extent they can to stake out this is where the stage management is. This is where the directing team is. This is where the design team is. This is where the actors can go when they're not on stage in the room. Mm -hmm. This is where the stage part of the stage is. And I do think it's actually a respectful thing. I mean, you don't have to, uh, you know, go overboard with it. But uh, I, you know, tend to find in a very productive room, people, if the stage is taped out on the floor, people tend to walk around it. You know, yeah. that idea yeah. that that is the place where the acting happens, and if uh, even if we're on a break, I'm going to walk around the edge of it. I mean, nobody's going to be hurt if you walk across it because that's where your purse is. But it, it is something that I find in a, in a, you know, really healthy room that's something that very often happens. And I think it has to do with the fact that people respecting the space in which the work happens. And it is something when you're working on a Broadway production or an off-Broadway production or, or another major production that those sort of areas of the room are staked out. I mean, it is the way that it works. But I think even when you're working on a small production, it's a small team, it's a very helpful thing to sort of create that environment to the extent that you can. Well, and it's interesting because on different productions, you may be in one rehearsal room for the whole rehearsal process and really making that your home base and making that your home. But if you're not, if you're moving around to re different rehearsal studios, really creating that same type of environment wherever you are. Yeah. I think there's another thing about what collaborators can do, and I include the actors in that, but I think Everyone needs to be sure not to do anyone else's job. Mm -hmm. If everybody shows up and does their own job, 
that's going to go a long way to creating a safe environment. If the playwright comes in and says, well, that's not the way I thought that line should be said, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> yeah. And I think showing up to do each person doing the job to the best of their ability, I think is key as well. Because I know, you know, I love the collaboration between the designers, the stage managers, the directors, the actors. And, you know, when I get up there, I want to do the best job that I possibly can. So when it's the designer's time and the lighting designer's time to come in and, and, and to really set some things, set some cues that they can be proud of and that looks really great, it can, it's only going to benefit the director and the actors. And just the, the show I did recently, they were, they were setting, the lighting designer was setting a cue and it was in a, it was a more of an emotional moment and he was like you don't need to do it all out but you know it, it, we, they were really trying to create this lovely moment and i was like no i i really liked and respected this guy so i was i was willing to give him exactly what he would need in order to light it properly and i just think that goes a long way to really put the effort in to um each each and every moment you you are in that space in the theater uh, as, as you were saying, kid, I mean, really having some reverence for that collaboration, what's going on. And I think that's really, I mean, I guess ultimately the producer's job and the director's job to really build that team of collaborators that are going to be respectful of each other and really push each other in good ways and, and to make it all come together. And I, I think that's kind of the producer's job and the director's job kind of when hiring you know, when, when figuring out who's going to make up this team, whether it be the actors, whether it be the designers, the stage management team, all of those different pieces to make one whole. And I, I also think that it's something that a director or a producer, kind of depending on the circumstance, yeah. but can actually, you know, go a long way towards kind of having a mission statement for the way that you want the process to go at the beginning. Um, I mean, I actually really like whenever possible at the first reading of a play to have the designers there also and, you know, to have other people to the extent that's possible and to be able to talk about, you know, this is a play, this is what it is, this is how Jenny as an actor is going to contribute to it, this is how Carrie as the costume designer is going to contribute to it and, you know, that this is such a fantastic team that we have assembled and you know, we couldn't do as good a show without any piece of it. There's a degree to which sort of setting that, you know, out there and, and, and as a mission for the show that people, it's amazing how much they tend to sort of internalize that and bring it along with them. Because people do that, especially for, for off-Broadway and Broadway shows when they're pitching the shows to people, when they're bringing people in to see a run-through or to see set layouts and stuff. They... They build up the team. This is what each person brings to it. And why not do that on the very first day to, your, to the team itself? Just a few sort of um, practical things that I think directors can do in addition to the things that we've talked about is to ask questions of the actors rather than telling them what you want. Sometimes you can tell them what, what, what you want, but to ask questions I think makes actors feel because it hopefully is true that what they have to say is important. And I think equally important is to ask follow-up questions. Not just a question that you, you know, came up out of the blue that had to do with what you were thinking, but something that demonstrates that you've actually listened to what they've had to say. Can go a really long way, you know, both in terms of gaining trust, but also in really understanding what the actor is up to. 
because it actually is something. I mean, it's like that doctors talk about the, you know, second complaint syndrome where somebody comes in and says, oh, my elbow hurts, you know, and then you talk to them for 20 minutes. Oh, I've also been bleeding out of my ear for two weeks. Um, you know, that there's, but that very often people do present where they, where they don't talk about the real reason they've come to the doctor at first until you get to talking to them. And I think it actually is a thing that I actually wonder, I haven't really thought about it this way, but I wonder if it is about the feeling of safety, that actors don't want to give away their secrets to a director or let the director in on their secrets until they're confident that the director is actually interested in them. Which is maybe why, you know, a lot of times I find what actors are really have going on comes out um, after you've followed up with the first thing that they've talked about with you. And I think it also can be really helpful as a director. If you want people to put themselves on the line, put yourself on the line. To be willing to talk about what moves you about the play and why you want to direct this play and what you hope people feel about the play and why it hits you differently than it might hit another director. Because you're going to be asking those actors to draw on those same things about themselves and it's not fair to ask somebody to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. It's about leading by example in a lot of ways. And I think also that the same way, similarly, that I talked about earlier about helping the actors to find success in every run, that it's really important to be sure that you leave the actors feeling as though they've had a successful day. To make the room when they're not in it a place that they look forward to coming back to because they feel like they have succeeded in it every day. And you are doing something desperately wrong as a director if the show has not moved forward at all in a given day. And just to be sure that as the actors, as you're closing up the day, to kind of recap a little bit. And this is what we learned and this is what we're going to be doing tomorrow. Great day and it's gonna to make tomorrow a better day because we had today. That if you're not able to identify how the day is better, you're not doing your job. And to be able to point that out to people. And also something that I, I just think is so important, and it goes back to both of those things, but success more than anything else is the thing that makes people feel safe. And sometimes you need to realize what you need to do is give someone success. And if that means giving a run over to something that isn't necessarily going to be about growth, but is about demonstrating to them how much they've grown, sometimes that can be a real use of your time. I actually, we had a very specific uh, situation I recall on the show I just directed Josh in, where I think the actors were doing terrific work on a very challenging play. And I knew there were some things I wanted to get done with the rest of the day, but I could tell both of them were getting frustrated because they weren't moving as fast as they thought they should. And so what we just did is said, all right, before we break, what we're going to do is just run through the show as fast as you can. Don't think about anything. Just want to see what's going to happen. Just want to make sure you guys know your lines. But really what happened when they just plowed through it without overthinking it, there was so much great stuff going on in there and stuff that they didn't realize that they had found. But I knew that they had found, um, you know, but it was one of those things that what the actors needed, what the actors needed then was a sense of success, was a sense of the fact that the work that they're doing is worthwhile. And the second half of the day, even though we gave over time that we were going to do something else, they were so engaged for the rest of the day because they felt like they were doing something that was moving forward. And I have a feeling we would have been banging our head against the wall for the rest of the day if we hadn't done that. Well, and to that end, I mean, that, that, uh 
exact example happened, you know, before a break or whatever. So there wasn't, a, you know, a second half of the day. But say a, a run ends, you know, and it's 15 minutes to the end of the day, and everyone is feeling really good about that run. You might be much better served ending the day with that run than trying to cram in an extra 15 minutes of working a moment or doing something else that might kind of jeopardize how people leave the room. And by the same token, if you have just done a run that went not well, which sometimes things happen, and you wanted to give notes, you might be better off saying, I'm going to give notes at the beginning of rehearsal next time. And what we're going to do for the last 15 minutes is work on this moment yeah. you know, and be sure that you spend that 15 minutes making the actors feel like whatever happened in that run, that moment's going to cook tomorrow. Um, but that idea of, yeah, success makes people feel safe because they feel confident in what they're doing and they feel confident in the process. And that that's just such an important thing. And again, if you as a director cannot look at work that actors did and not help them find success in what they did, it is because you don't understand the show and you don't understand how actors work. If you're sitting there looking at the actors and saying they have failed and there's nothing that I can do about that, you don't understand your job. And I really like what you said about that, um, about, well, the show that we just worked on, Kit. Um, one, I didn't know that's why you had us run, <laughs> right, run the show like that. But I, I think it's a really good example of why I, I personally trust working with you at all times, because you always know, you always know the best way to go within the rehearsal time. You always know what's needed. You, you have a good finger on the pulse of the actors that you're working with in the room. There are times that I can be so in my head, I don't even know what the hell I'm looking at. But I know that you will know the best way to go. And that, I mean, that run was wildly helpful. And, 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 and we talked about that, certainly. And I think that also really speaks to what, what I look for in a director. You know, a couple things. The first thing you said is, is, is asking questions of the actors, having that interest in, in in the process of the actors, I think is key, but also that the director is has some type of leadership role, because I know I don't have you know I don't have all the answers to any scene on my own. I need to go look. I need to look to my other actor. I need to look to my director. And any director I'm working with can ask a million questions, and I love it. But at the end of the day, I want that director to have some sense of like what you were just saying, what that show is all about, what that scene is all about, even if he or she doesn't have all the answers right then. But a sense of something is really important and key. And I think uh, along those lines too, I, no actor, again, has all the answers themselves, but I think being asked questions and realizing you're actually being listened to shows you that you do have some of them and you might not have realized it otherwise. I think for me it's really important to have the questions asked and to not always be required to give the answer out loud on the spot or ever. And, you know, and that's, it's a case by case situation, but there are questions that really set me to thinking and I need some time to process them and work with them. And there are some times that the question, I know the answer right away and it's not an answer that, that I wanna share, but having permission to share it or to not share it equally makes me feel safe to work from that place of whatever I've learned from the question I've just been asked. And also just a couple of quick thoughts about what a playwright can do. 
uh, in a room to make it safe. Because as I mentioned before, there really is something about as an actor, as a director, you're sitting here, you're trying to decode this script, you're trying to find the most interesting way into it, and the guy who wrote it is sitting right over there and looking at you. There's a real sense of wanting to please that person and wanting to get it right. Even the actors and directors who believe strongly in the idea that there is no such thing as the right way to do it, there still is that pressure. Because you know this person locked themselves away for a hundred and something hours writing this thing, and you want to do right by them. And I think that that idea of things that playwrights can do to be helpful is one, to give the director and actors some time alone, sometimes. It's important to give them some time without a the playwright in the room. And I think it can actually sometimes be really helpful to say, you know what? You guys are doing great work and I'm actually going to, I've got some stuff I need to take care of, so I'm not going to be here for the next three days, but I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on Thursday. Um, you know, that that's something that really can give people a sense of, okay, it's straight up playtime. I mean, hopefully they feel that, that way when you're in the room also. Um, but also it, it, it can be a nice thing where it's not just, is it today, is it tomorrow? But sometimes actors and directors can say, I, this is what I want to achieve over the next three days. It can be a very helpful thing to tell them. Also, as much as possible, to respect the director as the leader in the room, as the person that the actors look to. That generally, I am not a big fan of the playwright talking directly to the actors. Um, sometimes it can be useful, uh, but it really is something that I think more often than not, it's, it's better for the playwright to, after rehearsal, say to the director, you know, something that I don't think is clear yet is X, Y, and Z. How can we make that clearer? You know, or sometimes the playwright, it's actually something like that where they, I actually find more often than not, sometimes I will find as a director having that conversation with the playwright it, after rehearsal, I will say, you know what, the way you talked about that is great. Do you mind if at the beginning of rehearsal tomorrow I ask you to, 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 to share that thought with the, with the actors? You know, that that can be a very helpful thing to do. Also to trust the director to a degree in terms of his read of the room and especially when it comes to new pages, that there comes a point, I mean, certainly when you're doing the first production of a play, there are things that come to light once you see the way this role is wearing on this actor, once you hear things said aloud, once you th see things st staged and realized either something that I thought was totally clear is not clear or something that I have this whole speech in there to make clear is totally clear based on the way the actors are dealing with each other. Um, you know, things will change in the script. But there comes a point about 10 days or so before you open. I mean, it depends on the length of the rehearsal process, but where really unless unless it's really, really important and really, really specific, you want to let the actors and directors really decode the script as it exists. You know, and sometimes, you know, to ask the director, I, I want to rewrite this scene and this is what I want to do with it. I'd really like to do it, but is that something that the actors are prepared for? And the director may well say, you know what, give them a day. Give them a day working with this, let them see if it can work, and then bring them the, the new pages or something like that. Or they might say, yeah, they're in a great place. Actually, I think those are changes that, that will be, they'll be really responsive to. That can just be really helpful to realize that the actors in an original production are there to do the production, 
rather than be an additional workshop for you as the playwright. And to respect that. Because frankly, there are some things where you can end up with a better play on the page, but not nearly as strong a play on the, on the stage because the actors are so busy readjusting to rewrites that they're never able to get under the play and really figure out what's what. Um, and then just two very quick things about the way to, about talking in the room. Because I do think that there is something about, for just, even though you don't want the playwright to be talking to the actors uh, so much, I mean, again, each relationship is different and, and things might be different, but just for a playwright to come and sit quietly in the back of the room and never talk freaks people out um, and is not especially helpful. Um, and I think that the two things that uh, playwrights can do that is very helpful is to one thing, avoid any specific value judgment. If you even, good or bad, to say that's not right is not especially helpful. But even to say, the way you did that line is awesome, I promise you the actor will leave flying and they will leave devastated every day that you don't tell them the thing they worked on that day was awesome. So it's better not to give a value judgment of what they are doing. But the thing that I think can be a very empowering thing for a room full of people is for the playwright to talk about how good it is to see them working on their play. To say at the end of rehearsal, guys, this was so exciting to see you guys work on it. I can't wait to see, to see tomorrow. It's so exciting to see you guys uh, you know, working on these things. I spent so much time working on it and to see it in an actor's hands, so exciting. Thank you guys. The extent to which that will go such a long way towards empowering actors and frankly, make it less necessary for you to leave the room for more time cannot be overstated, I think. Well, the play on the page is not really what a play is. And, you know, it's, it's a, a living thing, it's a collaborative thing. And to be able to be present in the room and watch it grow to the, to the level of production um, requires letting the actors and the directors encounter it the way they need to. It requires that an actor isn't looking for the right answer that the playwright wants them to find, but looking at all of the clues that are in there and looking for all of the possibilities that are in the play on the page and getting the chance to find the ones that come to life for that actor. And hopefully the director then is having the chance to see what that is and let that grow into the production of the play that the playwright has written. And I think a safe room really helps make that happen. I think that's a good place to wrap up. If you are interested in learning more about the Cry Havoc Company, about our upcoming public events, about our classes or acting coaching, or if you would like to support the work that we do, uh, please visit www.cryhavoccompany.org. You can also follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. If you like what you're hearing and would like other people to know that the podcast is out there, please tell them. And also go to iTunes where you can subscribe if you're not already and give us stars and write a review. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments about the podcast, you can write to us at podcast at cryhavocompany.org. So, for myself, Kerry, Jenny, Josh, Jen, and everyone here at the Cry Havoc Company, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. 
All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe. Thank you.